Okay, college baseball fans. Boy, do we have a good show. Uh, before we get into all the juicy stuff, uh, Dimitri is actually in Lithuania right now, and he is no longer going to be on the podcast this season just because he's playing in like some kind of European championship. So we have the guest tonight, and you've known him pretty well. He's been on a couple episodes. Ben Mintz from Barstool. Mincy, what's going on, man? Man, been out in Omaha now. Hell, I landed the Thursday night before. You know, I got here a day or two before. So, I mean, I guess we're on day 11 or day 12 here. Uh, staying for the national championship series between Mississippi State and Vandy. Going to be doing pick central at DJ's dugout uh, either Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday if necessary. Uh, Brandon Walker, Carl, and I here to the end. I, so much to get into this week. This week has blown my mind. I mean, I never – You ain't kidding. I mean, this week has just been – I mean, I, just so much. Going back to – just a week ago, that the video. I mean, you and I got to enjoy hanging out with you and your girlfriend. We had a great time for a few days. But that video last Monday night, where I was on the balcony and the, the home run got hit and the Jack Lighter, uh, he gave up to Terrell Tatum, the NC State DH. Uh, that that set a flame to, to Omaha. That feels like it's still been burning all week. It long. was it was almost like it was a part of a movie and it was scripted. It was incredible. Just as the pitch was coming, you're in the middle of a video and the one run scored the whole game off of Jack Leiter, who was unhittable at the moment. And what did that video end up getting? Like a, almost a couple million views. It got 1.5 million views, but I say in the video, I'm like, Jack Leiter with the no-hitter. The first team to score a run is going to win this game. <laughs> Bang. And then it's just like right behind my head, Terrell Tatum. It's like a 443-foot homer to right field. And, I mean, I I, I kind of like no-sold it on it. I was just in shock. I just didn't even right. That that could have just happened. Hollywood couldn't have scripted any better. It was perfect. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed meeting you last week in, in Omaha. Such a great guy. And then the whole Barstool crew has done a really good job promoting the game and getting sports gambling involved. It's it's just a great time to be college baseball fan up until let's see Friday night, early Saturday morning, and that's kind of where I want to start the podcast here, Mincy, because we have a lot of stuff to talk about. In fact, I actually have, I did some research and I reached out to some people close to NC or NC State baseball team. And some of them reached out to the 11.7 account and reached out to my personal account. And there's a lot of details and a lot of things that are kind of getting left out. Again, I don't want to say that they're, you know, they're all anonymous sources. Of course, I want to preface by that. I won't be telling who it is. They're all really close to the NC State baseball team. I'm not saying that they're coaches or players or fans or family members of the team, but they were right there. They were all in Omaha. And there's a lot of things that are getting left out of some stories that you know I've been reading. And props to you know Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt. They've done an incredible job reporting on everything. But at the same time, since us at 11.7 Mincy, we are not paid by any kind of business. We're not paid by any kind of sponsors. We kind of have free reign to talk about some speculation. And I think that's what a lot of people want to hear is some speculation uh, not being tied down through the NCAA, not being tied down through a company. Just some real quotes that we've gotten some, from some close resources to the NC State baseball program. Um, and so before we get into like the quotes and everything, let's kind of break down for the listeners who maybe stayed off social media this weekend. Um, kind of what's been going on. So from boots on the ground in Omaha, kind of give us your perspective on what, what went down with the NC State baseball program. Well, so they, well, first of all, as you said, they were in the driver's seat. And you look at all the momentum they had. I mean, coming back from what happened at Arkansas, losing 21-2 to game one, winning that. And then they 
you know, hammered Stanford, beat Vandy. Just felt like they were a strong prohibitive favorite to get to the championship game. They were rolling. Like nobody they were was rolling, stopping. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Just uh just incredible. And I mean, had a deep lineup, just great bullpen, closer and Evan Justice, solid starting pitching. They had it all. Just momentum, confidence, everything. And then it kind of words started leaking out Friday morning that there might be a positive test or two in their program. And what was interesting was following the Barstool Sportsbook app, the line opened at NC State was uh, – Vandy was minus 129 with Rocker. Mm-hmm. And I looked up an hour later, and I think word got out to the public because it, it went to 175 all the way to 220, and then it ended up being off the board before the game because NC State, they suspended whether they could start the game an hour. But word had leaked out that there were a few positive tests, but I didn't realize it was going to hit the whole team. And then I'm sitting there before the game was a 207 first pitch – Look, they got 13 guys on the third baseline. That's their whole team. It's a picture that will be in history books one day. It was 13 guys against Vandy's 35 plus their staff. It was it was almost like a cartoon. It was loaded up on the first base side, only 13 on the right, I mean, third base side. And, I mean, I, I can only imagine being at the game just looking around saying, what are we doing here? This looks like a travel ball team. Yeah, it was crazy. And then you look at all the people that were out – they basically lost their whole infield mm-hmm. uh, and their pitching staff. They had to start Garrett Payne, who did an unbelievable job. He's throwing 85 mile an hour fastballs up there. He gets to the sixth inning and only allowed two runs, kept him in it. And then you got Sam Heifel, who outdueled Jack Leiter. He's playing first base and he goes three for three against Kumar Rocker. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. They moved Mitchick, their third baseman, to shortstop. And they lost their whole whole infield except for their catcher, who was still there. The outfield was pretty much still intact. They didn't have Tyler McDonough. They did have Johnny Butler, and they uh, had a couple other guys still. Uh, the, the right fielder's awesome. I forgot his oh, – man, I'm forgetting his name for a second. Oh, but Devontae he, Brown? Yeah, yeah, Devontae Brown. He was really good. Mm-hmm. But uh, So they had those guys still, but then they didn't have their top two guys at the bullpen. I mean, it was just a shame. And the effort they had was spectacular. I mean, they le- legitimately had a good chance to win the game. Yeah, no, and they hung right in with Kumar Rocker, who's proven to be like one of the best postseason pitchers in, in college baseball history. And so kind of like going through the timetable, you know, it's 2 p.m. There's already been word out that uh, NC State's had a lot of players with COVID contact tracing and a couple people tested positive. And at the time, we're kind of like heads are swirling. Like, are we going to play the game today? Are we going to wait until tomorrow? And they just postponed the game an hour. I mean, the field wasn't chalked or anything at game time until like right before. And so, you know, start of the game, you see NC State lineup with 13 players and you knew they had four p- pitchers, nine position players. But one of those position players was Sam Heifel, the game two starter playing first base. They're talking about how he hasn't played, hasn't swung a bat since high school and, you know, goes three for three off Kumar Rocker. And the crazy thing is, so NC State had multiple chances to, to tie the game or even take the lead. Like it felt like every inning from the sixth, seventh, eighth and ninth, they had runners on base. And they were just one hit away from kind of breaking things open and getting back to a tie game or potentially taking the lead. And so after the game, I mean, Vanderbilt wins and, you know, deservingly so. Like they, they should have won the game with their talent and their roster going up against a limited NC State roster. After the game, it kind of died down. There's a lot of people bitching on Twitter just saying, like, this is unfair, blah, blah, blah. Well, and we were some of them. Like 11.7, we, we've put out a lot of uh, – a lot of NCAA hate tweets out there just because it's what we do. And sure enough, when we say it was unfair, you know, 5 PM, it got super unfair at two in the morning 
right after the Mississippi State and Texas game because the NCAA just tweets out, I don't remember the exact wording, but basically saying Saturday's game is a no contest and Vanderbilt will advance the championship series. And my heart stopped. My whole, my whole life stopped for about 30 minutes, Mincy. I, I looked around and I said, like, am I dreaming? Am I like, am I delusional right now? I know it's two in the morning, but am I reading this right? And just instantly, it felt like everybody and their mom was awake at 2 a.m. on Friday night Sunday, or Saturday morning because tweets just started flooding in, just roasting the NCAA, just saying how you know everything is, is rigged and blah, blah, blah. And then there was a lot of hate towards the Vanderbilt team, you know, saying Vanderbilt you know, doesn't deserve this, blah, blah, blah. So what were you doing at 2 o'clock in the morning, Mincy? <laughs> so, okay, so – this Texas-Mississippi State game, I'd left. And to be honest, I, I'd stayed for the end for all the games. But So the Texas-Mississippi State game was a 6 o'clock game. People have been talking about this awful weather coming for like six hours. It was just like it kept being, it's about to come, it's about to come. So Texas was up 5-2 in like the seventh. And we thought the weather was coming any second. And we are like, it's going to start. It's going to be chaotic. We're not going to get an Uber. So we kind of snuck out of there. Uh, a little early to beat it, and State just rolls right back right after we leave. Tides it at five. And then so it's a 5-5 five, five game going in the ninth, and then Ivan Melendez hit that, – that three-run shot he hit with that bat flip and that top of that ninth was just spectacular. So they're, they're up 8-5, and then finally the weather does hit then. And the sky just – I mean, all – and so there's like a three-and-a-half-hour delay. I mean, I think there's a delay from 9.30 to 1.00. 1 a.m. So the game comes back at 1, 1.05 a.m. It's 8.05 Texas, top of the ninth. And then the NCAA releases that thing at 1.10 a.m., like during that ninth inning. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted out – I was I was sitting here watching – I was sitting here where I am right now watching this game on TV at that point. And uh, basically, I mean, all hell broke loose on the internet. And also I want to mention my boss was not very happy about it. Uh, Dave Portnoy, still Presidente's, taking a huge interest to in college baseball the last few weeks and had NC State uh, at 12 to, well, at 15 to 1 to win it on the sportsbook app. And they actually uh, refunded everybody's bets, by the way. Yeah, they I saw that. That's good. Yeah, which I thought was very honorable. Um, but, yeah, he was uh, not happy at all about yeah. it. That's and there was, there was nobody that was happy about the situation and opposed to what a lot of people on social media think. Like Vanderbilt, the players I know weren't happy and the coaching staff. So I want to make a statement real quick. Quit thinking that Vanderbilt and the players are, are happy that they got the win and they got the no contest and just happy to be in the College World Series final. No, like as a player, as a former player myself, you never want to be on the wrong end of something where you just get to move on without having to earn it. Like the Vanderbilt players knew they were going to have a great chance to win, you know, even on the next day on Saturday with a full roster. They felt like they can compete. It was out of their control, 100% out of their control. So don't tweet at Vanderbilt players or tweet at the Vanderbilt account. They have nothing to do with this situation. Of course, you know, their whole team was vaccinated and, you know, they were all healthy to play. But when, when we see a lot of Vanderbilt hate, it kind of just makes me a little, and I know people are going to say, oh, you're such a hypocrite. You were tweeting that Vanderbilt, it feels like Vanderbilt is rigged to win the college world series. I tweeted that after the fair foul ball, it was a fair ball or foul ball that was called fair reverse back to foul um, in the NC state game at the first one game one against NC state. And people like took that tweet out of context at the timing of it. It was a joke. Just saying like, Oh man, I feel like Vandy's it's rigged for the college world series. Didn't know 12 hours later that 
people would actually take that seriously. But anyways, um, no more Vanderbilt hate. We don't need that anymore. Uh, it's not the player's fault. It's not the coaching staff's fault. But they did. They, they did get the no contest, and they did get the forfeit from NC State. And so a lot of people are angry at Vanderbilt just saying that with the scholarship stuff that they get to go through, the loopholes that way, and how they're kind of viewed as like the New York Yankees of college baseball, get you know a lot of privileges and things like that. This time, leave them out of it. it. It doesn't have anything to do with them. But when it comes to NC State, what were your opinions, Mincy, on the handling from the NCAA? Because I definitely have my opinions, and they're strong opinions. I've been kind of holding back the first part of this show. But kind of walk us through what you're thinking as far as how everything was handled, what you would have done differently possibly, and kind of just like what – I don't know. Like what else What else do you want to add to this? Well, I'll say one thing optically that isn't so much how they handle it. The NCAA, you know, sending out a tweet bragging about their attendance did not, you know, saying, oh, tonight's attendance, 21,085, like bragging that people are there. Not really reading the room very well. No, and it was a joke, an absolute joke. And the NCAA is a joke because – No, it's the worst. Because when you have 20,000 people, 20,000-plus people – in a stadium, you went to the stadium. No I went to the stadium. Nobody wears masks. Nobody had to get tested or cleared to get into the stadium. Uh, people are, you know, drinking beers out of shoes, like the guy from Texas did, which was hilarious. Uh, you know, you got people sitting side by side, touching each other, breathing on each other. They allow that, but then you know, two positive tests from an NC State team, and of course, those two kids weren't vaccinated, but. I don't want to make this like a vaccinated versus non-vaccinated statement, but I mean, when they're players, it's an outdoor event. They, they were all isolated in their hotel room. They never came to the field. How do you cancel a game in what is the final four for college baseball and have a team advance so quickly? And I feel like it happened so quickly from Friday to Saturday after they played a game Friday and then, 12 hours later, they're saying, you know what? We're not playing the next game. It's not safe, not safe conditions. We're going to just send that team home. What a joke. It's a joke. It's a trend. I think a joke is being nice about it. I think it's a sports tragedy. Because mm -hmm. if you think how hard it is to make it to the Final Four in Omaha, you're talking about an NC State team who, you know, you mentioned their coach's dad died beginning of the season. They fought COVID issues and started 1-8 and eight in the ACC only to have that historic of a run to finish top three in the ACC, second in the ACC tournament, dominate the Ruston Regional, go on the road to the number one team in the freaking country who dominated the SEC, won the SEC tourney, and didn't lose an SEC series. You lose 21-2 to two game one, and you fight back and win 3-2 and 6-5, or 6-5 and 3-2, I'm sorry. And then you go to Omaha with all that momentum, you beat Stanford, and oh yeah, then you beat Jack Leiter, who's going to be a top three pick. And then you have it all pulled away from you. I mean, it's one of the saddest. I, I just, it's like. It, it was almost like more than pulled away. It was the fact that, I mean, it was like they were jumped by the NCAA, just seeing the positive tests. And then they, you know, test the whole team, even the vaccinated players, which they weren't supposed to do. It was in writing that if you were vaccinated, you didn't have to go through COVID protocols. And so once that they, they tested the whole team and a few more came back, I think four other players tested a positive. And they just rip it away, just saying, "Nope, sorry, can't compete in this tournament. Nope, we're not, we're not, we're not doing it. It's unsafe. It's an unsafe thing. You guys need to go home." Vanderbilt advances. 
it was that thing where there was no explanation from the NCAA. Nobody was there taking questions, answering the public's questions, or at least the media's questions. It was just everybody was hiding behind a shield. And that's what blows my mind, is that the NCAA is cowards when it comes to making a big decision and then not following through on it. You know, making a big decision and just kind of hiding behind the shield of the NCAA, just saying, sorry, privacy reasons, we can't say anything further. Yeah, like, get out of here. Get out of here. Like, you are there, you are a committee for a reason. You're there to protect the athletes. And if you feel so, so, so firm in an answer, saying we need to cancel this game, at least come out and say why. It doesn't even have to be the right answer. Just come out and say why to give peace of mind to the NC State players, NC State fans, and just college baseball fans in general. And it's just a shame. And it's just a shame because I got a lot of a lot of DMs and text messages and even like an anonymous email from people close to the staff and just big people close into college baseball in general too. And like, I want to read one, one little anonymous DM that I got just saying, and it's a long one, but just saying how there was a lot of things behind the scenes that haven't been spoken about. And they haven't been spoken about Mincy for a reason, because it sounds like there could potentially be a lawsuit from NC State Athletics to the NCAA because of the mistreatment and because of the, um, I don't even want to say mistreatment, because of how everything unfolded and how the NCAA didn't follow the exact guidelines that they provided and putting kids in positions and things like that. So it's, it, I mean, it's, it's something that it maybe has been said already. I'm not too sure. I haven't been, I haven't been too big on Twitter today, but basically, and this is a long DM, so I don't know if I'm going to read the whole thing, but there was four players that tested positive who were vaccinated. And those four players um, all were in different rooms in the hotel and they did not spread to their roommates. So the vaccine's working is basically what he's saying. That you know, if you're vaccinated, even if you test positive, you're not passing it on, you're not contagious. Uh, all the other roommates for those four players did not test positive. Uh, the part where it gets really juicy, and I scrolled down a lot, is that a lot of people don't know that the NCAA actually ran out of tests at the field. So the players went down to the Marriott downtown to get retested. And in the seventh inning, some players still didn't get, have their test results yet. Um, and there was apparently an NCAA rep who was in the room when the testing was happening uh, for the vaccinated players on Friday night. And he was on his phone and he was recording and, you know, getting so video and audio of guys getting tested just to prove that they were getting tested. And so the next day when the rep was approached by some of the players on the team, he recorded a video showing players walking in and getting tested. Um, but the, when he was approached by also players about why he was doing it, he denied it all and he was shaking apparently and he would not show them the photos or videos. Uh, there was also a positive test in the Ruston Regional and it was with one of the vaccinated players who tested positive and the NCAA actually ran another test and it came back negative and he was cleared to play on Friday or sorry, on, in the Regional in Ruston. So the NCAA did not test vaccinated players a second time this weekend and they definitely had time to do so. The Basically what happened was with the four positive tests from the vaccinated players, they did not take the time to retest them to see if it was a false, or a false positive or you know, if it was any kind of serious thing to be 
contagious or not, you know, because even if you have the vaccine, you can test positive, but you know, it's not something that's going to be contagious. And that's a big reason why the NCAA didn't test vaccinated players this year in the, in the college world series. So that was one of the DMS that I got just saying the two players tested positive. They were not vaccinated. They had to go through normal like protocols. And when they came back positive, they decided to test the whole team when in their guidelines, it says that vaccinated players did not need to be tested and they refused to allow them a second chance to be tested. And thus they just canceled the rest of their season and forced them to forfeit the game. Now, what do you think of that, Mincy? I think it's spineless. Yeah. And I also think one of the worst things about the NCAA is that they're like a headless organization. Like somebody needs to – there should be a college baseball commissioner and a college football commissioner and a college basketball commissioner because everything's shrouded in mystery and vague always, and you never know what's happening, and it's hypocritical. I'm also – you know, I'm an old Miss guy, and obviously we've had our own saga with the NCAA – and, uh, you know, it, I mean, I, I, it's just, they, it's like they pick and choose what they're going to enforce. Yeah. You no, know, like they'll catch like, yeah, there's dirt. I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. It's like, there's like, they make it up as they go and yeah, they make it up as I, they go. I, and they yeah, just, I hate them. I'm they bad. always just feel like they're, they're running like chickens with their head cut off. No plan. The plan that they originally have just goes out the window and they just try to make it up as they go. And we saw a great example of that this past weekend on Friday and Saturday, they were literally just trying to make it up as it goes. They allowed NC state to suit up 13 players and play a game against Vanderbilt. And before that, and this is another DM I got, actually, this might've been in the email I got, but the NCAA faced NC state with two options, either forfeit today's game, or you can, you can forfeit today's game and maybe play tomorrow, which would be Saturday, or you can play today's game with 13 players and then who knows what happens tomorrow um, and all that. So to even give a team an option to forfeit a game at that level is incredibly just offensive. Could you imagine walking into a locker room or walking into a, like to, to talk with the coach or the players and just saying, guys, you guys want to forfeit today and maybe play tomorrow? Or you want to go ahead and just play today and we'll figure out tomorrow when it comes. It's just ignorant. It's just stupid. Of course, the players want to play. They would love to play with their whole team. Like, tell me why only 13 or 14 of these players can play today. Like, that's what that would be my question. Like, why? Why are you giving us this choice? Why can't we push this tomorrow to tomorrow? NC State, um, someone close to the program said, Yeah, we asked if we could do a double header on Saturday, and the NCAA immediately shut it down. Just saying we're not playing two games in one day. They also asked about potentially playing Sunday. NCAA shut it down. So we're not playing Sunday. I think that probably had something to do with TV rights, uh, in, in my opinion, just because they didn't have any kind of time slot there. So, Mincy, why would the NCAA shut those both of those options down, which could have been very feasible? Playing a doubleheader, these teams have played doubleheaders all year long. Yeah, that's normal. Okay. It's normal now in a COVID year. And to shut it down that quickly and just say, guys, do you want to play today or do you not want to play today? You have 13 team members. You guys are good to go. But, you know, if you just, if you want to forfeit, okay, like we can see what we can do tomorrow. There's nothing set in stone. It's not like if you guys forfeit today, you can play with the whole team tomorrow. Like, no, it was just like, we'll see. Could you imagine what the social media reaction would be if Vanderbilt just came out and said, hey, we're going to forfeit today. We're just not going to play. 
Like that would have twisted the whole script. It, it would have, it just makes me so freaking frustrated, man, because of course they're not going to forfeit. So they're going to play with 13 guys. And they almost won. Like they, they had chances to oh. win. I mean, I can't even believe they held them to three runs. Yeah. And now my question is, what was different between Friday at 2 p.m. and Saturday? Why could those players play Friday when the guys who tested positive weren't even at the field? Everybody at the field was either vaccinated or tested negative. And why could they play Friday against Vanderbilt with 13 guys but could not come back Saturday and play? That I have no clue the answer to. I don't either. And I wish I had like another side to play devil's advocate. I, I can't. The only other argument I could come is that the NCAA just thought that it was not going to be feasible to continue like a safe environment for the players on the field. But they already proved against that by letting NC State take the field on Friday. So there's no right answer. And there's, we're probably never going to get an answer, which is the most frustrating part. There'll never be an answer from the NCAA saying why they made this decision other than the generic you know, health and safety protocols. This is a privacy issue. That's all we're going to get. And that's what makes me so mad. And you know what else makes me mad? It makes me mad that there's a lot of people like covering the sport of college baseball that you know are doing their job in reporting and i'm not just talking about like the d1 baseball guys because i've actually really enjoyed their coverage as far as like reporting what's going on but there's a lot of other guys out there who are just kind of abiding by the laws being handcuffed by the ncaa being forced to say positive and nice things things like well you know it's really unfortunate that this happened or like it, it's you know, it really sucks that this happened, but the NCAA had to do what they had to do. You know why they're saying that stuff, Mincy? And I got a little bit of this from whenever I was trying to get media passes and stuff. The NCAA sets a firm line on like who gets to report college athletics and who doesn't like have good tie-ins with NCAA and to have those tie-ins and to like remain on good terms, you have to say good things and do good things and not abuse your NCAA privilege. So when it comes to 11.7, we will probably be, we will be probably back. We'll, uh, what's it called? Um, blacked out. We'll be blacked out from the NCAA. Blackballed. Blackballed. We're going to be blackballed from the NCAA. We'll never get access to anything just because we speak out so much against it. But I like that. I like that because it is an organization that I don't think is run great at all. Uh, I think they abuse their privileges and abuse their powers. And it's stuff like this that needs to be outspoken. The big names that we're reporting or the big names calling the games on TV, those guys need to be the ones that st stand up and instead of saying, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that this happened. Um, you know, I wish, wish the best NC State. Hope they start feeling better. Like, no, I want someone to take a stand and just be like, this is bullshit. I don't know what's going on. We haven't been told anything. This is Never supposed to happen in this sport at this magnitude. This is not a midweek game in the middle of March. This is the freaking college world series final four, the team in the driver's seat. What are we doing here? Let's post, let's postpone this until we figure out a good plan. Let's not just send a team home because 
they had two positive cases from unvaccinated players and four positive cases from vaccinated players. Let's not make this a vaccinated versus non-vaccinated issue. Let's make this a problem-solving issue that we can put our heads together and figure out the best options. Nobody's doing that, Mincy. Nobody is no, doing they're it. they're panicking. Yeah, they're just panicking, and they all want to keep their good ties in with the NCAA so they're allowed to go to events and cover games, and it, it's a shame. I, I can't tell you how many DMs that we've gotten on 11.7 from people saying, yeah, I wish that you know we could be outspoken. You guys are doing incredible work. Thanks for being so outspoken about the situation because there's a lot of people out there uh, with a ton of followers and a ton of you know people that believe in them that won't say anything bad because they're scared. Like they're scared the NCAA is going to turn their back on them and they need it. And, and what makes 11.7 so great is we do all of this shit for free. Like we don't charge anything for anybody. We don't like, we don't have any sponsors. I mean, we could easily have sponsors. We've turned a lot down just because we like to do it on our own terms and not being told what to do there. Like we don't have to be handcuffed on what we say and what we don't say. Like, and I feel bad because these guys, it's their full-time job and like they, they have to remain you know, unbiased, or they have to remain, you know, supporting the NCAA. That's why I think this is a great platform to have because nobody can tell us what we can say and what we can't. And it doesn't bother me. And I think Barstool is kind of the same way. Oh, you're more than right. (laughs) Yeah. Especially our fearless leader. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I hold it back more than most uh, in Barstool, I would say. Be truthful. Yeah. But that's part of what makes it great is we're just reporting on the, uh, you know, our slants and stories and just right. keep it real factor. For sure. But anyways, now that my rant's over with, with this NC State situation, it is, it is a situation we've never really seen before. Of course, like VCU basketball had the same thing in the opening round. They were unable to play and, you know, they got sent home. But there's a big difference in my eyes between being like 10 seed in the NCAA basketball tournament round one and being in the driver's seat in College World Series, potentially winning a national yeah. championship. Like, would this have happened, Mincy, in, let's just say, a college football playoff game or an NCAA? Like, we can even bring it to, like, a Sweet 16 or Elite 8. It doesn't even have to be Final Four. Like, would this have happened? Do you think an NCAA would have just sent a team home and forfeited a game because of a couple positive tests? Or do you think – Hey, I think it might have. I just think they're that incompetent. Do you think so? I do. See, I just have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time believing the NCAA would just, you know, lose all the, like, I don't know, just lose the TV money and lose the the time slot. I don't know. I just feel like they would have found a way to worked it out a little bit better than 12 hours later just sending a team home. Anyways, we'll probably get back on this topic at some point in the podcast, but what I really want to do now, I want to I preview this finals. And... Of course, it comes down to two SEC teams just because, like, why would like, – I'll tell you why. It's because I was actually calling the SEC frauds, like, early in the College World Series and in the Super Regional. I, didn't, I was like, you know, maybe the SEC isn't that great. But we get two SEC teams and two teams that are well-known, whether you're a college baseball fan or not. You know Vanderbilt College Baseball, Mississippi State College Baseball, two of the very best traditionally here in the last 10 or so years. And we get a matchup between you know Jack Leiter who who didn't get to didn't have to throw on Saturday against the Mississippi State team who just kind of feels like they have a little bit of magic this year they they're winning games hitting like 210 as a team in the postseason and or at least in the college world series and you know they beat a really really good Texas team and I was 
I was excited to see Mississippi State get to a national championship just because I know how big it is for college baseball. They have a, I would say, the, probably the biggest fan base, maybe Arkansas. But they get a chance to win their first ever College World Series. I know it kills you because yeah. you're an Ole Miss fan. But like, how crazy is it Mississippi State's never won a national championship in baseball? That, that's what I say all the time, too. When you go back to the team in the 80s, Will yeah. Clark and Paul Marrow and Bobby Dickman and you know, they're in their 12th College World Series. No, I think it is crazy that they hadn't won one. It's kind of one of those things. You keep knocking the door, you're going to get there. And you look back at their path here, they've won three one-run games. Right. I mean, you know, you kind of like analytically, you'd probably look at them and not be that impressed, to be truthful. Um, Tanner Allen's unbelievable, hitting 390, and he hit that three-run homer against Virginia, all Stephen Soch that uh, that won that. But, you know, you beat Texas 2-1, first game with Will Bedner with the 15Ks. Mm-hmm. Off his effort. You're down 4-0 to Virginia, getting no hit in the eighth. And you throw up six in the eighth, you win 6-5. And then finally, that game against Texas Saturday. And then what a back-and-forth affair. Texas up 2-0. State has it tied 3-3 in the sixth. The base is loaded, nobody out, and gets no more runs. I mean, just, <laughs> just terrible. I mean, you can't have that happen. And then Landon Sims allows two balls that I thought might be homers. Then Off the, the bat, I was like, oop, that's gone. And yeah, it just, just stayed in. Warning, and they do so many balls die on the warning track in Omaha. It's and, crazy. Yeah, and so they they get away with that. And then, uh, man, what a, what a, you know, the, uh, the reserve shortstop, Tanner Leggett, uh, gets the RBI single to win it. And, man, it's just it, – it was an unbelievable game. And their fans uh so happy, rightfully so. Definitely not so, but I wouldn't have to cover. Uh, Vandy's a minus 200 favorite in the series, State plus 150. I mean, it's just a weird art for my barstool thing. So, Brandon Walker, who's here with me, and we do Pick Central, a big state fan, he honestly helped get me to barstool by doing well. And they brought me in to kind of move on his storyline with the Mississippi State Ole Miss thing. <laughs> we go from that <laughs> to me going hard for college baseball for a couple months when he couldn't give, give have given less of a flying crap about it. Even Mississippi State, he'd like kind of supported school, kind of. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> we – to him getting to come to Omaha, poaching my grow the game stuff for me to cover his team going to the national championship with my art travel. I mean, what a storyline and arc. And then you factor in looking at this matchup that the whole country is pissed at Vandy because of what happened to NC State, fair or unfair. So the only people cheering for Vandy are going to be Ole Miss and Vandy fans. That's it. <laughs> now, now, are Ole Miss fans, do you think they're all rooting for Vandy? Or do you think some of them are like, you know what? Like, I don't like the situation. We're going with we're we're gonna root for the uh the in state boys. I don't know. I got a couple of texts. People are thinking that, but I, I don't know, man. I just don't see how you can cheer for state. You think it would be good or bad for college baseball if Vanderbilt wins this national championship? I don't think it'd be. I think it'd be way better for college baseball if state won it. But for my mm-hmm. own personal selfish vendetta, I want Vandy to win it. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live in a world to see state's national champion. Now, does Vanderbilt kind of pose the like villain in college baseball to you? And I, yeah, I, I, yeah, well, they always do because the scholarship thing. Yeah, it, it's they have unlimited fun money and resources, and you know the you know you always talk about the private school the way they can kind of have extra scholarships and right. Whistler. Yeah, that's that, that was another. I gotta say, I sat. Look, I got so dead. Speaking of Vandy, by the way, we didn't even discuss. I mean, how the hell did they come back against Stanford the other time? I mean, I had. <laughs> I'm sitting there on my phone. I have the X tweets up. I have the mm-hmm. X X like gambling loss tweets up. There's two outs and two strikes on the guy. 
in the ninth with nobody on base. That was insane. I think I said I think I made a tweet out that said I'm pretty sure Tim Corbin has a handshake deal with, or deal with Jesus Christ himself because that was I mean that's college baseball for you. You you just give a team like Vanderbilt just a little bit of life, a little bit of breath, and they take advantage of it. And you're right, it was two strikes, nobody on base, two outs. They walk him. And then infield single with a throwing error, first and third. At that moment, I was like, you know what? Vanderbilt's getting a hit right here. It's Enrique Bradfield's on the at the plate. He's electric. He's getting a hit right here, and Vanderbilt's going to win the game here pretty soon. And sure enough, base hit to right field, and then that wild pitch a couple pitches later with Brandon Beck on the mound, who's been fabulous all year for Stanford. That was the most – like that was almost as surprising as the NCAA canceling the game against NC State. I don't think – if you would have looked at everybody – if you would have given some everybody a hundred dollars and said you could take Vanderbilt, you know, plus eight hundred live right now, or you could keep your hundred dollars, I think ninety nine point nine percent of people would have kept their hundred dollars and just said no, it's not worth it. Like Vanderbilt's not winning this game against Brennan Beck. Two strikes, nobody, nobody on base, and of course, they they win the game somehow, and then the whole debacle with the with the COVID nineteen outbreak with NC State. Now, let's kind of flip the scenario here. What, what would be if Stanford would have beaten Vanderbilt? Do you think the world would have been as pissed as, you know, I mean, I'm sure they would have been pissed, but if the NC State team would have had to forfeit against a Stanford team instead of a I Vanderbilt know, I team? People, I think people would have been just as pissed. You think so? Okay. I think it was just about the NCAA and the NC State thing. And I know Vandy is kind of a villain in college baseball, but I mean, I don't. I think people would have been really, really pissed. Still, they're they're a villain in college baseball. But if you look at the roster, and this was my point that I was going to make, if you look at the roster, they have a lot of likable guys. And I know a lot of people don't like Tim Corbin. They think he has yeah, that's part of it. A sure. lot of power in college baseball, and they they know he kind of has that loophole with the I forget the the scholarship ability that they have. There's a name for it, but basically, since they're a private school, they can do like aid based scholarships meaning like if your parents don't make a certain amount of money you can you know qualify for this huge academic relief and ultimately he's able to give out like 20 percent or 25 percent baseball scholarships that will pay for you know everybody like everything in the school like you can with your academic relief or financial relief whatever they call it and on top of a baseball scholarship you're going to school for free there and the resources that they have, like the pitching lab that they have and the development tools, it's a no-brainer if you're a high school kid and Vanderbilt says you can come to school for free here, you can compete for national championships. That's why they have a recruiting edge over a lot of schools who have the 11.7 limit or even less than 11.7 like a lot of schools deal with. So they're seen as the villains. They're seen as the New York Yankees just because of the success they've had. And it's really like uh, I've talked to a lot of college baseball fans. It's more of like the recent success that they've had that has really turned people the wrong way just because they were never a baseball school until maybe like the early 2010s or late 2000s. Yeah, no, uh, there was a trivia question on when they was their first time to make the College World Series. I think it was 2011. Yeah, I think even even whenever – so like the first crop of guys that I think really put Vanderbilt on the scene was the Pedro Alvarez, David Price. I think that might have been in 2007. I think it was 2007 both of those guys were there. And that kind of put Vanderbilt on the scene. But, yeah, what, what Tim Corbin's able to do with, with the scholarship flexibility he has, like they've just been a powerhouse and they've won two national championships, 2014 and 2019, looking at potential back-to-back. 
this year in the championship finals. That's why a lot of people don't like him. But if you, like, like I was saying, if you break down the roster and you look at it, you're like Enrique Bradfield, super likable guy. You know, um, Nolan, super likable guy. Um, like, of course, Jack Ladder and Kumar Rocker, likable guys. You know, they have, they have a whole lineup of guys who are like, oh, man, they're good baseball players. They're fun to watch. They, um, it, it, it's really just the name and, like, the, the backlash they get on social media from a lot of other college baseball fans just saying that they abuse the 11.7 scholarship rule. But in my personal opinion, I don't know if I could think of a better matchup as far as a college world series final than Vanderbilt versus Mississippi state just, and I know there was a lot of that stuff that happened with NC state, but as far as like just a outsider, if you would have just fast forward me to tonight, Sunday night, right before the, the finals. And you said Vanderbilt, Mississippi state are playing for a national championship. Forget about everything that has happened over the last 48 hours. I'd say, hell yeah, this is going to be sick. Like this is great for college baseball. You know, two really, really good teams who have really great fan bases and they get to play for a national championship on ESPN. Sign me up. I'm down to watch it. It's just, it sucks that the way Vanderbilt got there was through a forfeit. And honestly, like it wouldn't have surprised me one bit if Vanderbilt would have beat NC State two games back to back to get to earn themselves in the position to to be in the finals. Was that a little far off, you think? I think they would have. I heard rumors that Jack Leiter wasn't going to be available to pitch till game one right. of the championship series, and he wouldn't have thrown Saturday. So that would that's have made a, That's a hard thing to believe, just because I know he was running out to the bullpen at the Stanford game, which was two yeah. or three days earlier. I think he would have at least tried to pitch in relief if they needed him. Yeah. But well, regardless, no, they could have won, but it's just – it's a shame. And, like, if Vandy wins, it's going to be – I mean, people are never going to get over it. There's oh. a lot of, and like on my social media, like I've been getting so many messages the last couple months, especially this few weeks. Like, had no idea how great college baseball was till you talked about it, and I watched a few games. Now I'm hooked. I got that same message from hundreds of people, mm-hmm. and then I've been getting messages like, "Man, what happened to NC State? I don't care anymore." Right, and it's it's such a black eye for the sport because there was so much momentum, and. At the end of the day, like, you know, the saying, like, there's no such thing as bad publicity. This bad publicity maybe could turn out to be a good thing for college baseball because now there is a villain. Like now there's like a a certified villain, like people for some reason are taking all the hate out on Vanderbilt and it's good in sports when there's a villain. Well, just look back at like the Pistons basketball teams, you know, people hated them Um, or um, for example, the Yankees or even like Kevin Durant when he joined the, the Warriors like that was good for like those things were good for the sports because people had something to root against like they had rooting interest for a team and they wanted to watch and so I think a lot of America is going to be on Mississippi State this week just because they're going to be rooting against Vanderbilt because they unfortunately got put in this position so maybe it's a good thing that I mean okay let me backtrack it's not a good thing that this happened but this could land a lot more eyeballs on college baseball and maybe get people hooked. Like I'm rooting for a badass college world series final where hopefully it goes three games and we get to see Kumar rocker throw game three against Mississippi state. And, you know, I want to see a team. I want to see back and forth games, extra innings. I want to see it all. Like I want to see the, the best college world series final ever, just because I think that's what the people deserve. Like college baseball fans deserve that. And hopefully this momentum can roll into next year 
because I think college baseball has taken a huge step forward in the last four or five months as far as people being interested and involved. I think so too. And I think the gambling part of it added so much to it. And hopefully next year we'll be able to have lines on like the SEC and the weekend series, which I think would really take it even farther. As far as looking at this matchup though, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Vandy minus 200, State coming back at plus 150. State, Will Bedner could try to throw Wednesday, maybe. Yeah, it looks like maybe Rocker versus Bedner on Wednesday for game yeah. three. Now that so, would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. But games one and two, you got to think State going with Christian McLeod and Houston Harding. Um, got to give Vandy a pretty large edge. McLeod hadn't pitched as well down the stretch, I didn't think. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely good, though. I like his curveball. Vandy's offense hasn't really blown me away. In this Neither college. team has. Neither team's offense has done good. State's just gotten a timely hitting in the eighth and ninth. I mean, they've had multiple games where they went off in the eighth and they had the ninth against Texas. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're State, I, you almost feel like it's a free roll tomorrow after getting here like this. Um, I mean, the obvious path is you probably lose to Jack Leiter and win game two and then just hope it, you know, hope to flip a coin with Bedner coming back against Jamarock or it's kind of your path, right? Right. And I, I wish I would have looked up the stats, and I guess I could, but Mississippi State and Vanderbilt played earlier this season. They did. No, it's and, that, Vandy won two out of three. Jack Law State hit Jack Leiter pretty hard. That's what I th I was trying to remember that. I knew they hit one of those two hard. I think they also hit a couple home runs off Kumar Rocker too. Like I, I know it was at Vanderbilt. And God, I wish I could the remember. Sun the the Sunday game, State was up four nothing, and somebody hit a grand slam for Vandy, and they came back and blew them out. Yes, because they were. Oh yes, yes, yes. I remember now because Landon Sims pitched saturday when mississippi state was leading by like four or five runs in like the eighth and ninth inning and he was unavailable for sunday and that would have been a crucial spot to put him in the game that sunday game where vanderbilt ended up coming back and winning i do remember that okay but so yeah i mean i obviously there's there's key players in this series uh on the mississippi state side you gotta you gotta look with you know rowdy jordan and tanner allen of course i mean they make i mean they make everything the, you know? when those two guys get on base and get hits the whole offense just kind of follows and it was good to see mississippi state's bottom of the order really turn around the last couple of day games because it gave guys uh on base for tanner allen or it gave guys on base for rowdy jordan or even cameron james um now landon sims of course is going to be the most important pitcher for mississippi state i mean he's done it all year He's beaten Texas three times this year, put that put them in this position. And he's going to have to pitch more than just one day of these three. Like, I think he's going to have to pitch in both of Mississippi State's wins for them to win the, the national championship. And I know he's willing to do it. Uh, I know they've kind of held him back all year in the regular season. And I think they held him back for this position, for the College World Series. Let him pitch and you know throw as long as he wants. And on the other side of things – Vanderbilt I mean everything starts with Enrique, Enrique Bradfield when that guy's on base I mean we just see chaotic things happen and he really hasn't used his speed too much in the college world series I know, I'm surprised he hadn't run he hadn't stolen yeah. but it's like the threat and you know um, like kind of just going back into like baseball knowledge here when you have a guy that's on an automatic stolen base let's say he's just an automatic stolen base when he's on first you have pitchers you know messing up their delivery. They're trying to do a slide step, get it to home as fast as possible. And the guys behind, like the guys at the plate, no fastballs are coming. 
They're not getting sliders in the dirt. They're not getting, you know, change-ups away. Like they're getting fastballs because that's the only chance they have to throw out Enrique Bradfield. So like when Enrique Bradfield was on first base in the Stanford game, Brendan Beck pitching, they didn't try to throw any sliders in the dirt because, uh, well, I guess there was runner on third, but it was the fastballs up that they were trying to get to potentially cut them at second base. Um, and then, I don't know, like, I, I just feel like as a hitter, you know a fastball is coming, your chances of hitting the ball hard go up skyrocket. So when he's on base, the whole infield is shifted differently. Pitchers are throwing differently. Everybody's focused on him. And it allow guy, allows guys like Dominic Keegan and, um, oh, my God, Young. What's his first name? Carson Young. Yeah, and like guys like that to just sit on fastballs and crush them. Yeah, I mean, I think Enrique Bradfield's just a chaos causer, and I can't wait to see his career unfold because he's mm-hmm. still really small. I mean, he's an 18-year-old old kid. I think he's going to get, like, maybe fill out a little more. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he hits, like, 355. He had 40 seven or 48 steals whatever he is i mean he's he's just phenomenal and you know you look at that that vandy lineup they hadn't really hit too too great like i said i like jason gonzalez in the nine hole mm-hmm. he's got good power right field but you know dominic keegan hit that two-run homer against stanford to get him back in it when they're down four nothing he hadn't really done much other than that no he's been quiet it's been surprising with how good you know he is he's their dude um, and then Isaiah Thomas didn't even play in the last game. I didn't know what happened with that. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I was surprised by that, though. He hit the grand slam against Georgia Tech in the regional. Oh, he pimped it, too. Yeah, he over the green it. monster. I remember yeah. that. But overall, the lineup had been – and they made a bunch of errors. Carson Young's made a bunch of errors at short. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's just – they're really lucky to be there. There's no 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 real getting around it. I mean, they should have yeah. got knocked out by Stanford. No, they should have got knocked out by Stanford um, 100%. And, you know, they've played just so many close games. And you look back to, like, the East Carolina Super Regional, both of those games were close. And I know a lot of people are bitching about the umpires and the zones and everything like that. But, you know, take that aside. I mean, those games were still close. They played that close game against Georgia Tech in the regional finals they, like, where they had to come back and hit the, the grand slam from Isaiah Thomas. They just have won a lot of close games. And, I mean, that's what shows what's a good team. Like, they're never out of it. Even if Mississippi State, Mississippi State jumps out to a three nothing lead against Jack Leiter in the first inning, like Vanderbilt's still going to piece away and get runners in scoring position to have a chance to win the game. Um, so let's kind of get some predictions here. I'll go first. I know you're going to hate this, but I actually do think Mississippi State, with America behind them, I think Mississippi State is going to win their first national championship, and I actually think they're going to sweep. I think they're going to win really? the first two games. I do. I, I'm telling you that just because I know that the players know that everybody's going to be behind them. There's going to be, if, if the stadium seats 25,000 people, there's going to be probably close to 18 to 20,000 Mississippi State fans. I, I've seen them all on Twitter making their trip to Omaha. They know this is their time to, instead of being the villains, which Mississippi State baseball is, I would say, has been villains in the past. Like a lot of people don't like them, but you have everybody coming behind them, rooting for Mississippi State because nobody wants to acknowledge Vanderbilt being there. And I just think that they have proven that, I mean, this will be the second time they see Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, which is their best two weapons, hands down, Vanderbilt's. And I know they're not going to be afraid. And like they, this is their third straight year in Omaha. This is the year they have the magic behind it. I'm, I think Mississippi State actually wins the first two games and wins a national championship. I don't even think he gets to Wednesday. Wow. That's <laughs> wild. I, I thought, I think that they're heading for game three with Leiter and Vandy winning game one 
And then I think State pulls off game two, and then, then we go to game three, and I think Vandy wins it in three. Yeah. And what, what do you have Vandy at? You have him like plus – I, I took them. Well, I took them plus nine hundred before the tournament. Yeah, and I took them plus three fifty before Omaha, and Dave made fun of me because they were chalk. That's right. Ooh, that's um, going to be an awkward yeah. conversation. <laughs> and so my storyline's absurd with this because I've been getting rained on by both Dave and Walker, mm-hmm. and like nobody's pulling for Vandy except for me. And so I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be going to I need to go by the Whistler and just clap. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I mean, I'm literally I, – I'm sorry. I, I'm, you know what? I'm not sorry. I don't want to live in a world where Mississippi State's a national champion. I'm just I'm, – I'm, <laughs> call me bitter. Call me delusional. Call me whatever. It's better for – I see that it's better for college baseball if they win. I see all that. I get all that. Dave Portnoy and Big Cat are tweeting Hale State. You know, I, I get it. But you know what? Everybody's been raining on me all week. Screw all that. Screw Dave and <laughs> Just stay in your I, 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 Yeah, I get to be happy in the end. Yes, no, and just stay in your lane. You're doing everything great for the game of college baseball. And, of course, it was a pleasure to hang out with you all weekend, um, the yeah, first man, weekend. Right. And, uh, I mean, it was just good times just seeing – I mean, we, I walked around with you for three days straight, and people came up, coming up to you in person just being like, you know, thanks for doing this for Barstool. Like, this is perfect for Barstool, Barstool content. Uh, this is actually exactly what we need. Thanks for, you know, hashtag growing the game or whatever. Um, it, I mean, it's just been so like refreshing to see when we started this back in 2019, nobody cared about college baseball. You had the college baseball fans carry about their, or care about their school and their school only, maybe who their rival was they would root against. But now it just feels like everybody has a grasp on college baseball. People are watching games just to watch games and have fun watching them. Uh, and then now that gambling's involved with what Barstool and Penn has done, this has brought a whole new you know, layer to college baseball. People are watching games just because they want to bet on it. They want some action and they want to do some research in those things. That's what grows the game here. So what you guys are doing, I mean, we've supported it. We've been preaching since 2019, like college baseball needs gambling, college baseball needs gambling. That's going to grow the game as fast as possible. And it's finally here. So like, I hate looking forward to next year, but I think next year is going to be even you know, twice as big as what it is this year. Especially yeah, with some I, of the think we're, I think we've had a really successful week here. I can't believe I'm still in Omaha. I feel like I've been here forever. <laughs> You're you know, Omaha like native now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been here forever. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's headed the right direction. And, I mean, just seeing, too, like from the Barstool standpoint, Dave we, – we've captured Dave Portnoy on this. And mm-hmm. he used to be – you know, he was a great high school baseball player. Phenomenal. And I think baseball is his favorite sport. And I feel like he might be a little burned out on MLB because something came out of him here with how much he's been enjoying following it. Oh, 100%. And getting him involved is the best thing you could ever do. I mean, 2.6 million followers. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> him tweeting about it, him just doing all the, you know, just everything about it is, uh, they, you know, that's been so fun to follow. And, um, uh, you know, like I said, I think it's the impact we've made here. Carl's been a big hit at Omaha, too. Uh, you know, hopefully this will be something we're doing every year. And I, I mean, I, I would, I would certainly hope so. Yeah, no, what you've done is good for the sport. And uh, we're going to wrap up the show here from that. But um, if you're free, whether it's Tuesday night or Wednesday night, love to record with you again. Now that Dimitri's in yeah. freaking Lithuania playing Greek baseball right now for the European, um, we need a co-host to wrap up the, uh, the college world series finals. And then uh, we'll definitely make plans moving forward. But Always a pleasure, Mincy. Yeah, Appreciate man, you for doing this. Pick, pick Central live, uh, 1055 Central at DJ's Dugout, Monday, Tuesday, and if necessary, Wednesday with Walker, me, and Carl. 
I mean, how flooded is that going to be with Mississippi State fans? I think a lot. You know, (laughs) like I said, it's it's funny for me because I'm usually more of the likable role, but I mean, I'm going to be full heel this week. (laughs) You got to. I'm cheering for Mandy. Got to. You got to stick with what's got you. Like I said, man, I I see the big picture that it would be good for college baseball state one. I get that. Mm -hmm. But. I just I'm I'm bitter. I don't want I don't want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) And rightfully so. Uh, But anyways, I'll let you get some sleep here, Mincy. Um, Appreciate you doing this. We'll be back uh, sometime, whether like either Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever the uh, College World Series is over with. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on 11.7. Love everything you're doing. Appreciate it, man.